This is the podcast Film Studies Bling Bling. As the title suggests, Film Studies Bling Bling is about hidden as well as well-known treasures from film studies. Big and small diamonds in the field of film studies that I, and hopefully you too, find interesting. In this episode, we first hear an interview with Dustin Condren. He talks about his work on the intersection of visual and literary culture. Then, I'd like to draw your attention to the next conference, because the deadline for applications is still open. And finally, I will entrust my diary with the research program for my project, The Cinematic Face of Cities. Here's the bling of the month. Hi, Dustin. <laughs> Thank you for being available for a short talk. Um, Dustin, you are assistant professor of Russian at the Department of Modern Languages, Literatures and uh, Linguistics at the University of Oklahoma. Even though this job title doesn't make it immediately visible, your research is very strongly related to film and film history. It's not only Mayakovsky and Nabokov, but also um, Eisenstein and Disney, your working on. Um, can you tell us to what extent your work overlaps with film studies research questions? Yeah, well, it's uh, a pleasure to, to be able to answer some questions like this. Um, I would say that it's mainly in that overlap between uh, literature and, and film studies that my work really exists. And a big reason for this is because my approach to film studies originally came through um, literary translation uh, when I worked with Oksana Bulgakova on a couple of translations of Eisenstein's um, theoretical writings, um, which, you know, for many people are some of the foundational writings of film studies uh, itself. So my interest in, in film uh, generally and in film studies is primarily from a sort of linguistic perspective. Essentially, uh, my habit is to look at uh, cinema and the language of cinema as some sort of corollary, not always a sort of obvious one, but some sort of corollary for the same impulses that inform literary language um, and so on. So you mentioned Mayakovsky, for example, Nabokov. Uh, these are Uh, writers that I've worked on, but a lot of their interest for me comes from the fact that they also were you know, literary practitioners who had deep interest in other forms of aesthetics, um, and especially in the visual arts. Mayakovsky, of course, famously dabbled in, in film, writing screenplays and producing his own short films in the teens and 20s. Um, and Nabokov had some sort of very notable attempts at screenwriting himself. So I've always been drawn to um, artists who are interested uh, in these sort of transitional areas between media. I can imagine that the work on the intersection of Russian visual and literary culture represents, well, quite a methodological challenge, I believe. I, you're virtually, as you explained it, on the move in, in two methodological worlds, although they are linked to each other. How would you describe that, as I did, as just it's a challenge or is it really a mutual enrichment? Uh-huh. Well, it's, yeah, it's certainly a challenge in writing about it. I think that sort of commonality that I, that I like to find, which I sort of discussed already, the sort of similarity of the deeper impulse of sort of expression, one of which, one of these impulses being a sort of literary impulse and the other impulse being more of a, what we've come to call cinematic. I think that they sort of emerge essentially, at least for the artists that I'm interested in from the same sources. And so for me, the difficulty is always in finding the right, um, 
language, the right critical and theoretical language to discuss um, these as this sort of common source, which is, you know, I'm sort of using Eisensteinian language to, to talk about this, but finding the common source and then finding those difficult areas in which these uh, impulses diverge toward the literary or toward the cinematic. And so often I find myself really getting caught in the areas in which these things fail, you know, where the literary impulse can only take you so far before it sort of stumbles in the process toward becoming cinema. And that's that's why so much of my work right now is on um, film projects that started as these brilliant ideas that were heavily literary. Um, and then, you know, for one reason or another, we're not able to successfully find a full cinematic manifestation. There are methodologies that are that are germane to literary studies, that are germane to film studies. Um, but for me, it's sort of finding the discomfort between these two um, and sort of making uh, uh, sort of interesting analysis about that discomfort. I mean, as an assistant professor, you're giving also classes, you have uh, um, students. Are they interested in this kind of challenge? Does you pass your intersectional approach to your students? Are they able to deal with that? I think so. You know, I, I think that my my background, thinking of the time that I spent in, in college as, as an undergraduate and then as a graduate student, my, I think that my background was always stronger in literature, and then it was a sort of task to find the way to speak about the intersection of literature with cinema or with media. Um, but I'm finding that my students are very sophisticated in the way that they think about media, and so I have to sort of invert my own impulses to help them find these sort of inter interesting places of intersection. And often that comes from just asking very sort of rudimentary questions to get them started thinking about how, you know, for example, how they would cast uh, a certain play or novel that we're reading, and then thinking about ways in which I, I can sort of engage them to think about the right sort of resonances and then disjunctures between a certain type of literary imagination and then a cinematic imagination. I, I taught a class this semester in which we read 12 19th century Russian um, plays. So we were reading dramatic literature. Wow. And and the, the difficult thing that for the students in this was that they had a, a very rough time with the um, sort of absence of descriptive language in the plays because plays are primarily dialogue. Um, and so for the students that for whom this was difficult, I realized that they, you know, they're not thinking necessarily with the eye of a director. They're not thinking about things like mise-en-scene, which um, I think is the sort of, is my assumption when reading a play is that that's the sort of exciting thing about it is that it sort of activates our directorial impulses. So for me, it's been sort of finding this, um, finding specific tools to kind of engage students um, into thinking from a more creative position of practice in which they have the freedom to actually cross the boundary between literary and, and cinema or literary and drama and that sort of thing. Wow, now it's very hard for me to find a bridge to my next question, but maybe it has just something to do with place and writing and creativity because... Mm -hmm. I would like to ask you um, to give us an insight into your current book project, because you told mm -hmm. me that you're actually working right now on a book project. What is it about? Um, do you stay true here again with your intersectional approach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's this is the really, really the foundation of my book, um, which I'm 
nearing completion on. It's um, so it's tentatively titled uh, "An Unrealized Cinema: The Imagined Film Projects of Sergei Eisenstein Between 1927 and 1936." So this is a project in which I look at a series of films that Eisenstein imagined but was never able to produce, and so methodologically, I'm working strictly with written or um, sketched material. So there's no actual, what we, you know, sort of by habit call cinema in, in the, the um, material that I analyze. There are no actual filmed frames. There's no footage. I'm only dealing with notes, screenplays, shooting scripts, um, still photos, drawings, that sort of thing. So it's it's really an exercise in uh, literary criticism that's oriented toward film criticism. So for example, one of the chapters is on two of these very famous projects that he had, one um, for a film in 1927 that he imagined called uh, The Glass House, which Coincidentally, he came up with the idea for in Berlin um, and while visiting Babelsburg. And the other work that I pair that with is this uh, imagined adaptation of Karl Marx's Capital. Um, so these they're both really heavily literary in their genesis, and they never really get to the point of really having any sort of imagined shooting script or anything like that. Just a bunch of sort of amorphous ideas that are really exciting, but very far from actually being films. And so my task is to write about them, not just to sort of, you know, diagnose why they weren't able to be produced, but diagnose the sort of wellspring of imagination that they come from, sort of look for what we might, I want to call the sort of proto-cinematic in them, the sort of beginnings of the cinematic impulse in these sort of archival documents. So maybe you also have to write uh, in a way like in a play to give us the possibility to imagine also this cinematic uh, potential in these never uh, realized projects. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what I hope in writing about them, that I can uh, sort of engage the reader's imagination a little bit and suggest what they might have looked like. But at the same time, that's sort of what's exciting about them, too, is that they're so like, you know, the Karl Marx adaptation, it's just from first glance, so uncinematic. And that's what makes it so compelling as an idea for a film. You're uh, reconstructing projects that were not fulfilled or finished, but I really hope that you will finalize your book. <laughs> Thank um, you. When does the book will be published? When can we read it? I'm, I'm estimating that uh, at the earliest, it would be late 2021. Uh, these things, the publication process is usually quite slow. So even though I'm, I'm nearing completion, I imagine that it'll take another year and a half to actually get it out into the world. So Late 2021, maybe 2022, the first half of 2022. Ah, and in between, you're, you won't be only writing and doing your final research for the book. Are there, are there any, um, I mean, things related to film studies or events um, you are participating or would like to make us aware of? Well, I'm involved in a couple of uh, sort of smaller panels at some, uh, some Slavic conferences in the U.S. this coming year. But the thing that I'm most excited about, since I will be in Europe for the summer of 2020, is to go to Bologna for the Cinema Ritrovato Festival, which I've been to once before and uh, 
genuinely sort of as a fan of cinema, really, really excited about the possibility of attending. Hopefully some of the listeners will join this uh, festival as well and that they can meet you and have a chat with you about your book project and all the other things you do. Um, yeah. Dustin, um, thank you very much for thank you. Uh, taking the time. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. <laughs> Do you know the NACS, the European Network for Cinema and Media Studies? NACS is a professional scholarly network bringing together scholars from cinema, respectively film and media studies, as well as archivists and programmers. The goal of NACS is to provide a platform for communication, to support film and media studies research, to provide a forum for the discussion of current overarching topics and to establish film and media studies as an essential part of the arts and humanities research in Europe. NACS was one of the first networks I joined. If I remember correctly, it was my doctoral supervisor who recommended me to become a member of NACS. I really appreciate being part of the network. As a member, you have access to the webpage of NACS, where you can find scholars from all around the world. According to NACS, the network has currently over 2,700 members. Through the webpage and personal contact, you can become a participant in one of the workgroups. There is, for instance, a workgroup on feminist and queer research, on space and place, or on history in cinema, television and emerging media. Furthermore, there is an international double-blind peer-reviewed journal connected to Nex, titled Nexus. The journal is published by Amsterdam University Press. At the moment, there are a lot of discussions and activities going on in Nex and the journal dealing with the topic of open access. Moreover, there is an annual conference and an annual graduate workshop taking place each year at a different European university. The great thing about that conference and the graduate workshop is that both give scholars at the beginning of their career a very good opportunity to train their presentational skills and to discuss their work with established scholars. Participating in the next conference allows me to present what I'm currently working on, to get feedback from my colleagues and to stay updated on what they are working on. Furthermore, my colleagues use the next conference for workgroup meetings, for workshops on specific topics or, for instance, the initiation of new projects. I'm mentioning NACS and the NACS conference as well as the NACS graduate workshop in this new section because the deadline for submissions for the NACS conference is currently open. Deadline for submissions is the last day of January. The next NACS conference takes place in June 2020 and is hosted by the University of Palermo. The topic of the conference is transitions, moving images and bodies. If you want to know more about NACS and the conference, you can check out our project website or just search for NACS with the help of your search engine. It is important to know that you can only take part in the conference when you are a member of NACS. If you want to become a member, you have to pay a very moderate membership fee. For established scholars, the membership fee is 50 euros per calendar year. But there are reduced fees for students who have to pay only 20 euros and postdocs who have to pay only 35 euros. The NACS membership grants you full access to the NACS webpage and all the information you find there, as well as entry to the annual conference. And here is a new entry in my research diary. Okay, so what is my new research project about? The project, The Cinematic Phase of Cities, examines the elements and processes that contribute to the formation of a film historical or media-related image of the cities of Potsdam and Aarhus. The central assumption is that the image as a film or media city is the result 
of a discursive process. I would like to understand the structure of these discursive processes. The starting point of my analysis are the references to film cultural heritage and current media production in the official marketing activities of the two cities. Based on this analysis, further urban actors are taken into consideration, whose actions and image productions shape the cinematic face of the cities. Artifacts in the urban space are as much part of the discursive process as an article in a newspaper or a political decision. The research question is, which institutions, urban actors, statements and images and which urban artifacts are involved in the constitution of the image of the cities of Potsdam and Aarhus as film or media cities? And what are the formation rules these discursive processes follow? The overall goal is to work out the rules of the formation of film and media-induced images of cities. It should be made transparent in which way and with which results The different actors of the cities of Potsdam and Aarhus participate with their statements and image productions in the development of communicable urban film or media-induced images. And to what extent urban artifacts can be regarded as elements of these formation processes. It will be worked out that it is not only exclusively the official and administrative institutions that shape the cinematic face of cities, but that numerous other urban actors from the private economy and the local media, from educational institutions and associations, as well as individual citizens, are involved in this process. This diversity I would like to make visible. In addition to that, the project will work out which structures are responsible for the fact that key narratives about cities are emerging, despite the wide range of actors involved and their uncoordinated recourse to film history and current media production. A critical look should also be taken at aspects of media history that are not told in the urban branding process and which contradictions can be discovered in the respective discourse. Through the comparative approach of the project between Potsdam and Aarhus, the influence of the different media cultural contexts and of urban planning and urban policy factors on the use of the film cultural heritage and current media production in the image building process can be worked out. In order to address the research question, a model for a film historic spatially orientated discourse analysis must be developed and tested. The basic idea is that film or media-based city marketing does not live from urban campaigns on a macro level alone, but also from smallest contributions and activities and from urban artifacts that can be found on a micro level, a micro level that has hardly been considered so far. The cinematic phase includes not only major events sponsored by the respective city for anniversaries or other public occasions, but also the autograph card on the wall of a restaurant or the private film circle. I try to bring together and analyze these disparate contributions to the discourse. Part of the research project is a citizen science subproject. It starts on January 25th and runs until the end of February. The citizens and guests of Potsdam are called upon to collect references to film history and current media productions in urban space. This could be a film-related monument, a street named after a filmmaker, or a film poster in a restaurant. 
With the data collected by the citizens, we will create a city map, which I will then analyze together with the participants. The idea is to create a map that reveals film and media-related urban structures. Perhaps you would like to find out more about this citizen science project. On my project page, you can find information about it. But I will also report about it in one of the next episodes. It is my first citizen science project, so I'm very curious about how it would go. The next episode will be published on February the 20th. From now on, there will be one episode every month, which means that from now on, the name Bling of the Month finally makes sense. In February, I will speak with Naomi Daugard. She has been a PhD candidate at the Department of Film Studies at the University of Zurich since February 2016. Among other things, we will talk about an article by her and Josephine Dyke, which is due to appear in the March edition of the FFK Journal, the Journal of the Film und Fernsehwissenschaftlichen Colloquium, the Film and Television Studies Colloquium. I would be delighted if you continued listening to the monthly edition of the podcast. Please spread the word that the podcast is available and use the podcast to report about your projects and to make your treasures and diamonds from film studies shine. <laughs>